This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Father, this is your book. You are the author. You are the teacher. We're the students. Teach us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 1. The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. O Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou wilt not hear? Even cry unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. Why dost thou show me iniquity, and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me, and there are there, there, there are that raise up strife and contention. Therefore the law is slack, judgment doth not go forth. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous, therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. Behold ye among the heathen and regard and wonder marvelously, for I will work a work in your days which you will not believe, though it be told you. For lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. They are terrible, dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of themselves. Their horses also are swifter than the leopards and are more fierce than the evening wolves. And their horsemen shall spread themselves and their horsemen shall come from far. They shall fly as an eagle that hasteth to eat. They shall come all for violence. Their faces shall sup up as the east wind and they shall gather the captivity of the sand. They shall scoff at the kings, and the princes shall be a scorn unto them. They shall deride every stronghold. They shall heap dust and take it. Then shall his mind change, and he shall pass over and offend, imputing that his power unto his God. Art thou not from everlasting, O Lord my God, mine holy one? We shall not die, O Lord. Thou hast ordained them for judgment, and almighty God, thou hast established them for correction." Thou art of purer eyes than than to behold evil, and canst not look on iniquity. Wherefore lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously, and holdest thy tongue when the wicked devoureth in a man that is more righteous than he? And makest men as the fishes of the sea, and as the creeping things that have no ruler over them. They take up all of them with the angle. They catch them in their net, gather them in their drag. Therefore, they rejoice and are glad. Therefore, they sacrifice into their net and burn incense into their drag because by them their portion is fat and their meat plenteous. Shall they therefore empty their net and not spare continually to slay the nations? It's quite a book. You can see that it's very dramatic. Here we go. 
the complete uh, Habakkuk here is giving his message. He's got complete transparency, this prophet does, complete honesty. He's a, he has a great burden. We got that by reading it. It's a very heavy burden. He's really appropriate. He should follow on the heels of Amos. Amos means burden, heavy. It weighed him down. The people under Amos's day said we, they complained. They said his, his head, message is too heavy for us. This is Habakkuk also, same. Got a very sad burden, but this burden that he's got's got a purpose. There is a why behind his burden. Habakkuk wanted to know why. We read that in verse three. He says, why dost thou show me the iniquity? There was a purpose behind the burden that God gave him, a purpose that was being filled in Habakkuk. The burden was working because this burden that Habakkuk saw here that was a driving burden, it drove Habakkuk to cry to God. It was a burden that drove Habakkuk to God with tears. It says in verse two, verse two, oh Lord, how long shall I cry and thou not hear? This is a driving burden that Habakkuk saw that drove him to pray, to pray to the God of Israel. He was fulfilling what God told the people to do, his people in Psalm 122, verse six, Psalm 122, verse six, God said, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. We're told that what Habakkuk was doing, he was remembering the Lord. He was remembering Jerusalem. We're, we are told, remember God, remember Jerusalem in Jeremiah 51, 50. Jeremiah 51, 50. Remember the Lord afar off. And then God says, let Jerusalem come into your mind. Let Jerusalem come into your mind. Two things that God is calling us to do in Jeremiah 51, 50. He's saying, first, Remember the Lord afar off. And second, remember Jerusalem. Remember Israel. Remember the Jewish people. Since it's the Jewish people, since they reject Christ, let's not have any question about that. The Jewish people, for the most part, reject Christ. Since they reject Christ, it's easy. It's easy to forget God's Jewish people. It's easy. It's easy to not allow certain thoughts to come into our mind. It's so easy. It's so easy to block them from coming into our minds. The thought that it was the Jewish people that brought us Christ, it's easy to forget that. It's easy to block that from coming into our minds that the Jewish people brought us Christ, that the Jewish people brought us our Bible, all of it, even Luke, Luke, He's got a non-Jewish name, I know that. My name is non-Jewish, Thomas, Luke. But he was a doctor, who's ever heard of a Jewish doctor? Anyways, easy to block from our minds that the Jewish people did bring us our Bible. Easy to block from our minds that they did bring us our Messiah. They did bring us our Savior. Easy to block from our minds what God says about the Jewish people in Psalm 137, verse five, by the rivers of Babylon, when God said in that same Psalm, verse five, 137, if I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her cunning. If I do not remember thee, 
Let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. If I prefer not Jerusalem above my chief joy. What a thought that God's right hand should forget how to move. That God's tongue should cleave to the top of his mouth. It's so easy to just not allow entrance into our minds those thoughts about the Jewish people because God says in Jeremiah 51, 50, don't block those thoughts and let the thoughts of the Jewish people come into the mind. Jeremiah 51, 50, let Jerusalem come into your mind. Don't block out of the mind what God has said. And it's just so easy. I know, it's so easy. It's so easy to not think about them or it's so easy to do what Martin Luther did, fall into a state of anti-Semitism. I won't even tell you the things that Martin Luther wrote in his horrible book, The Jews and Their Lies, when he reacted against them. He didn't start that way. Started off as a lover of the Jews. That's not the theme of my message. (laughs) Habakkuk was seeing more iniquity than he wanted to see among the Jewish people when he wrote in verse two, in verse two, why dost thou show me iniquity? Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, sure, Tom, sure, Tom. Tom wants others to take an interest in the Jewish people because he's Jewish. That's what you're thinking. Maybe you're not, I don't know. Well, let me tell you, from the moment that I received Christ, the Jewish people have given me a very hard time. I remember how one time Pastor Jim and I were in visiting the Jewish people in Desert Hot Springs, and we'd come to a home of an elderly Jewish lady. And Jim, Pastor Jim, gave her the gospel as he always faithfully did. And it was very clear to that lady without Jim telling him that he had come from an Irish Catholic background and looked looked about as Jewish as a Eskimo. And the lady just was very polite, politely showing no interest, politely showing no response. It was very calm. She just listened politely to Jim. And then Jim pointed to me and said, and he's one of your own. That's all he said. And the lady flew into a rage. She kicked me in the shins. She hit me in the chest. And she said, I should be ashamed of myself. I was a traitor. And Jim was happy and I was mad. (laughs) And I said to Jim after that, I said, I've got an idea. The next house we come to, I'll do the talking. And then I'll say, you're one of their own. I don't want you to miss out on this blessing. This last week, I wrote to a rabbi friend of mine how the words of Eve, when she said in Genesis 4.1 that uh, she had gotten a man, a child, and she had stated very clearly in the Hebrew that that man-child was God. She thought Cain was God. A little mistaken, but nevertheless. I was pointing out, I wrote this to my Orthodox rabbi friend, that she was convinced that God himself was coming in the form of a man and she thought she was there. And and then I went on to show that Jesus Christ was the one that she was looking for, but she didn't know. He was the God who came in man. He wrote me back such a letter of hate and blasphemy about Christ, about Mary, 
that I sent it to a few friends and then I apologized for sending it. I said, listen, it's worse than pornography. I'm sorry for sending you this. It was just terrible, just terrible. And I wrote my rabbi friend and I said, listen, I'm writing to you my prayer for you, which was Jesus on the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you're doing. The Nazis didn't know what they were doing. They were just doing what they were supposed to do. You're supposed to go kill Jews, kill Jews. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to attack Christ, attack Christ. Believe me, the reason for going to the Jews with the gospel is because of a burden. It's because of a burden that Paul wrote of in Romans 9.1, Romans 9.1, when Paul said, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bear me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness in continual sorrow in my heart, for I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, written by a man who was constantly running away from being killed by them. He was hunted like a prey, and he wrote that, I will go to hell if they can go to heaven. That was his heart, and he said, it's true, the Holy Ghost is standing right by, and he will testify that I'm telling the truth. But the response to the gospel, for the response to the gospel is very much along the lines of what Christ said in John 16, 2, among the Jewish people, for the most part, among the Jewish people, John 16, 2, they shall put you out of their synagogues, yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. So, being Jewish and going to the Jewish people, there are times when I feel just like the Jewish prophet I, Jeremiah, when he went to the Jewish people and he had had it, and he wrote in Jeremiah 9.2, Jeremiah 9.2, all that I had in the wilderness, a lodging place of wayfaring men, that I might leave my people and go from them for they be all adulterers and assembly of treacherous men. Jeremiah wanted to find that wilderness, and I wish he'd tell me where it is. Where is that wilderness, Jeremiah? Because according to Jeremiah, Jeremiah was eventually stoned to death by his own people. Jeremiah was looking for the wilderness. There's no wilderness. There's no wilderness in this world. 1 Corinthians 5.9 says, 1 Corinthians 5.9 says, I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or idolaters, for then must ye needs go out of the world. And Jeremiah did. He found the wilderness, actually. He went out of the world. This was the burden that Habakkuk had, that Habakkuk saw about Israel, and that burden had a purpose, and God had a purpose in showing this burden to Habakkuk, a purpose to generate prayer. In verse two, verse two, Habakkuk, oh Lord, how long shall I cry? And if there's no burden that a person bears, there's no message from God. Because Habakkuk 1-2, Habakkuk 1-2 says, O Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou will not hear, even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou will not save. That's a burden, a burden that generates tears. If there's no burden, there's no prayer. If there's no tears, there's no prayer. In verse 1, when Habakkuk introduces himself, 
He, do, he has no interest in us taking an interest in him. He gives no information about what tribe he is from, about who his father was, about which family he came from. He says nothing about himself in verse one except Habakkuk the prophet, that's it. And then, and he is a prophet because he has a burden. He is a prophet because he has a message. He, has a, he is a prophet because he has his message with tears. That's what makes him a prophet. And he launches into this deep burden that he saw. And this is what makes a prophet a prophet, a burden. A burden, a message that is coming from a burden that he has to deliver. Habakkuk has to deliver. That's what the gospel message is. It's a burden. It's a deep burden that burns inside until it's preached. The burden comes from a healthy look at hell. That's what he was looking at, the violence, the terrible. The burden for the gospel comes from a healthy look at hell that is for those who don't come to Christ through the gospel. And this makes the burden that which Paul described in, in 1 Corinthians 9.16, 1 Corinthians 9.16, when he said, for though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. Necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. So in this book, in this first chapter here, in these first four verses of this chapter are the prayer of Habakkuk. Habakkuk is speaking in the first four verses, and they are like many prayers in our lives. Habakkuk is experiencing this. Many prayers in our lives where we pray and we receive no answer, and we pray and we get no response from God. And we pray, and God is silent in our prayers, and we say the heavens are brass. And during this time in prayer with no answer in our lives, during this period, during this time in our lives of prayer and no answer for God, this is like the first four verses of this chapter, chapter one. And we say to God in verse two, we say, oh Lord, how long shall I cry? And thou will not hear? But it all changes in verse five because now God speaks in verse five and the answer finally does come and God says in verse five, behold ye among the heathen and regard, look, he says. So God told Habakkuk what he was going to do and he's going to, he says he's going to bring a very terrible time on the Jews. And he says, he says, he says to Habakkuk, if I tell you, you won't believe it. If someone came in the 1920s and told how there was going to be a nationalist socialist party, sounds pretty good, nationalist socialist party in Germany using the acronym of nationalist socialist as Nazi, and that this party was going to build concentration camps that would, that would take millions of Jews there to either gas them to death or to work them to death, the response would be verse five, verse five, you will not believe though it were told you. This was the Chaldeans. They did to the Jewish people that, and it was a long time ago, this is also what the Nazis did relatively recently to the Jewish people. They stole the possessions first, 
They stole the possessions, the lands, the houses of the Jews, as the Chaldeans said, taking dwelling places that were not theirs. How could this be? How could this be? How could a people who were chosen by God to be the chosen people be treated like this? How could the people who were taken by God to be his own covenant people be allowed to be overrun by Chaldeans, by Nazis? How could God's people be so destroyed by Chaldeans and Nazis? How could the Jewish people be so destroyed by the Romans? How could the Jewish people be so destroyed by the Nazis? This is the hardest question that has plagued the Jewish people. The country of Israel is made up of the children of the Holocaust. That's who they are. Israel today are the children of the Holocaust because the, because the immigrants into Israel in 1948 came right from the Holocaust camps into Israel. That's what Israel was, and today they're gone, or going, almost all, and so we have the children of the Holocaust. That's why this question, which is the hardest that has plagued the Jewish people, like I would just want to, how could, how could, how could, has made them come to the conclusion there is no God. The majority of Israelis are atheists because of this question, because of this question. Were the enemies just allowed by God to proceed, or was it verse 6 in Habakkuk 1? Was it verse 6, lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. What was it? Was it like I was told when I was in junior high school and went to the Jewish camp, Pest Kramer, and asked the rabbi, where was God in the Holocaust? And the rabbi said, you have to understand God's very busy. He was busy. Or eh, he was allowed it. Or was it verse 6? Was it verse 6? I raise up the Chaldeans. That bitter and hasty nation. That cruel and hateful. Verse 7 says that their judgment proceeds from themselves which means that they have no law except their own will, the Chaldeans. They went and did what they did because they wanted to. They want, and what they want made it right for them. They see what they want, and they took it, and because they wanted it, that was their right. That's what it means when God says they have no law except their own will. This is the perfect description of what it means to not have any fear of God, not have any fear of God. When a person says, it's right because I want it, that's the absence of the fear of God. When a person says it's only right, if God says it's right, that's the fear of God. That's the fear of God. Our world is moving more and more towards, verse seven, verse seven, their judgment and their dignity proceed of themselves. If they feel they want it, that's all they need to justify getting it. That's the same as saying, my will is my law. So then Habakkuk speaks again to God, and it changes. There's a transition in verse 12. Verse 12, art thou not from everlasting, O Lord my God? 
mine holy one. We shall not die, O Lord. Thou hast ordained them for judgment, and Almighty God, thou hast established them for correction. Habakkuk goes on, and he says, first of all, let me establish who you are. You are my God. You are my holy one. I'm not speaking to someone abstract out there as in God that I don't know any of that. You are mine, my God and my holy one. And then he says, he says about the, he, first of all, he links himself with the Jewish people. He doesn't isolate himself. He doesn't say them, they, they'll not die. He says, we shall not die, speaking of himself. Tom Cantor's messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. For other free resources, email us at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. Join our live services on YouTube by searching Friendship with God with Tom Cantor every Sunday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.